Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the week I began talking to you about the meaning of the cross and Christ's work at Calvary. We talked about three things that we see from our text in Colossians. And first was that Christ made it possible for us to be reconciled. I told you that from the beginning of the, uh, since the fall of man, that God has been working to reconcile humanity back to himself. And he does that through Jesus Christ. Second thing I told you was that Christ made it possible for us to be free from sin. If you're free from sin today, it's because of the work that Christ has done for you at Calvary's cross. It's not because of anything you're doing necessarily as far as living perfect and overcoming and being uh, measured up against the law of God, but it's because of the work that Christ has done and your acceptance of that work that frees you, the Word says, from the power of darkness and conveys us, transports us, moves us into the kingdom of light and His kingdom. And so we're thankful for that. But the third thing that I told you, and and this is where we kind of stopped, was that Christ made it possible for us to do the will of God. Christ made it possible for us to do the will of God. And so today I want to focus on that third point, and we're going to see what Paul has to say about doing the will of God. Would you help me pray? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your presence in this house. God, more than anything... More than anything, Lord, I desire your presence. I desire to walk into a room and feel you uh, at work in the house, God. And today we have had that happen in this place. And we're thankful for that this morning. God, I pray your anointing would rest upon the message, would rest upon the messenger today, God, that you would open our hearts to receive what you have for us this morning. And we all say, Amen, Amen, Amen. Colossians 1.9 says, For this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. If you have your Bible and you don't mind underlining, that would be a great uh, term to underline. Filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul's praying here and he's saying to the church at Colossae, the thing that I'm praying for you and I don't stop praying for you about is that you would understand what God's will for your life is. That you would have spiritual understanding. That you would have wisdom and knowledge to know what God's plan for your life is. Verse 10 goes on to say that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful, in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. The third thing that we're talking about is that Christ made it possible for us to do God's will. Listen, you are not without hope this morning in fulfilling God's plan and desire for your life. Now, many of us, this is, this is the grand question, isn't it? What is God's will for my life? What does God want from me? What does God expect from me? This is the great question that we all struggle to answer. But I've come to tell you this morning that you're not without hope in discovering and finding God's will for your life. He doesn't just send you out there and say, Good luck, I hope you can figure it out, because if you don't do it, I'm not pleased. God doesn't operate that way. 
He is very much interested and very much involved in the process of cultivating His will for you and helping you to discover that. It is His desire in your life that you would find your purpose and discover what His work at the cross was all about. It's His work at the cross that made it possible for us to live a life that is pleasing to God. Because of what He did, you can do it also. Because of what Jesus has done, fulfilling the will of the Father... He made it possible for you to be able to do the same and fulfill the will of the Father in your own life. The first step of that is, listen, first of all, we have to understand, let me back up just a little bit because I think one of the big challenges here is that that our inadequacies start coming into play there. We start realizing what we really are and the grand... uh, gap that exists, the the large gap that exists between what we are and what God desires for us to be and we sometimes look at that and we think there's no bridge that could ever ever bridge that that huge gap that that monstrous gap that large large space that exists between where I'm at, at and where I need to be but I'm glad to tell you today that Jesus is the one that bridges that gap It's Jesus that bridges the gap of our inadequacies. He is the one that bends uh, the the, the space between us and begins to pull us together so that the person we are can become the person that God desires us to be through Jesus Christ and His work that He has done. The first step to this is what I was going to say a while ago is simply wanting to. Wanting to do the will of God. If you don't want to do the will of God, you're never going to do it. And uh, the thing is, I think that we have to get to the place where we truly want to do what God's asking us to do and then allow Jesus to help us in that process. Because before you can please God and do His will, you just have to really have a desire to do that. You have to have a desire to do that. That has to be something that wakes you up from time to time in the middle of the night. I mean, that has to be something that, 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 that creates a sense of urgency in your heart and in your life that makes you want to discover and want to pursue. And I would just venture to say that there's just a lot of people in the world today that not, not only don't know God's will for their life, but just don't want to. Because the fact is their own will is screaming so loudly in their ear that they can never stop long enough to actually tune in to what God is saying to them and what God wants to do in their life. But I'm telling you today that if we don't, we don't cancel out some of that noise and get rid of some of those other voices in our head, we're never going to be able to find the true contentment and happiness that we were created to enjoy because we're not connecting with the person that is the source of that and that is Jesus. Before you can please God and do His will, you've got to want to. Judges 17, 6 talks about uh, a time similar to the time that we live in. It says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Amen. We kind of live in that season, don't we? Nobody's calling any godly shots. Nobody's directing any godly outcome. And everybody just kind of does what they want to in their own eyes. So we can relate to that. It goes on to say in Proverbs 14, 12 that there is a way that seems right to a man but in the end the way is death. I would challenge you strongly that you know I said to you I feel like there's such an urgency to prepare us for the, for the Lord's return but there's a way that seems right to us but the end is, in, is destruction the Bible says. 
So it is critical that we spend time before the Lord weighing out our lives in comparison to the work that He has designed for us and see if we are measuring up and if we are really putting ourselves in a place to please Him and do what He desires for us to do. So then we're back to our question. What is God's will for me? What is God's will for me? I believe that God has a specific will for each and every person in this place, but I'm just telling you, you won't find it until you start doing the general will of God. There is a general will that God has for all humanity. And He has clearly lined it out. And that's what I'm going to talk to you about today. And for those of you that are wanting to know what you're here for specifically, you're not going to discover that until you start doing what God is already asking His people to do. Amen. And so let's talk about His general will for His sons and daughters. Paul starts off in verse 9. And he says, For this reason we're praying for you, that you'll be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you'll get it, that you'll understand it, that you'll know it. But what Paul's talking about is not specific, God's specific will for your life. Rather, he's talking about a general uh, will that he has for all of his sons and daughters. Paul makes doing the will of God central to this text and central to the theme of the text. He's saying because Christ has reconciled us to God and because Christ has freed us from sin, now we have the ability to take it to the next level and actually live lives that are pleasing to God, that are, that are fulfilling our purpose. And so I'm going to give you five things from the text that God expects from us, and I'm going to try to give them to you quickly. First, verse 10 says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. God's gen- one of God's general desires for all humanity is that we live lives that are worthy of the Lord. How in the world, Pastor, do I walk worthy of the Lord? I walk worthy of the Lord when I realize what He has done for me and I live in a way that honors that that work and that sacrifice that He has done in my life and for me. That I discover Jesus died on the cross for me. He shed His blood for me. He's opened up the inheritance of heaven to me. He has given me authority and He's given me dominion. And when I understand that and begin to apply that in my life and live a life that is worthy of His sacrifice and His, His, His payment on the cross, then I start walking worthy of the Lord. Here's what I believe to be the truth. And I believe in essence what Paul is saying to us that everything that we do, everything we do, Everything that we decide, every decision we make, everything we are must be weighed against the work of the cross. We must go back there on a daily basis to the foot of the cross and say, is my decision glorifying this work? Is my actions glorifying this work? Is my being glorifying this work? Or am I walking counterintuitive to what God has done at the cross? Am I not walking worthy or am I walking worthy of the Lord? This is a, this is a code that I live by. I believe and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that I always do everything that's worthy of the Lord because I certainly don't. But I believe that every decision that we make must be measured against that. And so it's a constant uh, thing in the back of my head that I'm always thinking, what would Jesus want me to do in this situation? And if you're around me very much, you're going to hear this, especially when you give uh, excuses as to why you can't do something that God's dealing with you about. Now, it's kind of a running joke around here, and it's kind of fun, 
But there's some truth involved to it. I'll give you some examples of what I'm talking about. I have people come to me from time to time and say, Pastor, I can't help right now. I've got too much going on in my life. I understand that. And here's my response. I'm glad, aren't you, that Jesus didn't have too much going on in his life when he went to the cross. Amen. And the fun thing about this is you can smile the whole time you're saying it. Pastor, I can't work with that person. I just don't like them. I understand, but aren't you glad that Jesus didn't just die for people he liked? (laughs) Amen. It's true, right? I'll give you some more. Pastor, (laughs) Pastor, I don't feel like coming to work to the work day at the church today. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't let his feelings stop him from going to the cross? Amen. Pastor, I'm a volunteer. I don't get paid to work around here. (laughs) Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't have to get paid to go to the cross? I'm serious. What he's done for me allows me to do something for him. And that's what living a life worthy of the Lord is about. It's about putting your life in the context of his. It's living this life, how he lived his, to the best of my ability. Are you perfect? No. And if you don't believe me, turn to your neighbor and ask them, and they'll tell you the truth. You're not perfect. you got a lot of faults. you got a lot of failures. April's nodding on the front row. And she ain't nodding at you. She's nodding at me. We're not perfect, but we're doing the best that we can, and we're doing it against the backdrop of Jesus Christ and his work at Calvary's cross. So the first thing is living a life worthy of him. The second thing, verse 10, says be fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful means that I am producing something good that others can experience. I'm producing something good that somebody else can experience. I'm very fruitful in my life, Pastor. I've got this and I've got... You're the only one experiencing it. And fruit is something that someone else can experience. And so it has to be something that goes beyond you. We are too internally focused most of the time in our lives. And if we're going to live like Christ did and live a life worthy of Him, we have to start being externally focused and thinking about how my life can impact somebody else's. Somebody say amen to that. It's about having a track record of transformation. Both personally, yes, you've got to have a transformation record of your own life, but you also need to have a transformation record that is focused on other people's lives. Who have you impacted? Who have you touched? Who have you changed their life? Who have you ministered to? Where can you point to today that fruitfulness is being produced in your life? John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me, Jesus says. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Without Jesus, we can't do anything. We can't be fruitful. We can't transform anybody's life. I'm not suggesting that you have that ability within yourself. But I am suggesting because of what Christ has done for you and he living in your life produces that in you and through you to touch someone else in the process. You notice that the goal is to live a fruitful life Not a fruity one. (laughs) Live a fruitful life, not a fruity one. 
And there's a lot of fruity people in the world. Amen. And I'm just saying to you that if, if we can't look back and point to some, a, a record of transformation, both personally and in other people's lives, we may be living a fruity life, not a fruitful one. We can get all spiritual all day long. But if you can't turn around and say, this is a person that I've brought along, this is a person that I've impacted, this is someone that I've touched, what does it mean? It doesn't mean anything. Proposed spirituality, listen to me, proposed spirituality means nothing if there is no fruit to back it up. Show me where you're touching the heart of someone else. And that is the fruit of your life. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1, Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He's saying here, you can have all the spiritual expression you want, but if you're not touching somebody's life in the process, it means nothing. We are life transformers, amen? Three of you are. We are called to be transformers of people's lives, amen? We are called called to walk into a room and change the atmosphere when we walk in. Not because we've entered the building, but because Jesus Christ has walked in the room with us. Amen. And I believe when He walks in the room with us, that fruit is a byproduct of His presence. Spiritual expression is good. And I'm not, I'm not saying don't express your spirituality because I believe it. But it's only good if it's a precursor to fruitfulness in your life. Spiritual expression that begins and ends with you is self-serving and is a clanging symbol in the ear of God. Amen. Third, verse 10. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Growing in the Word. Understanding the Word. This is the will of God for you. You want to know what God's will for your life is? Get in the Word. Study the Word. Learn the Word. The only way to do that is through spending time in study and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through the process. I said in our Bible study Wednesday night that without reading the Word, you cannot learn to hear God's voice, and you cannot. You cannot learn to hear God's voice by reading the latest book out by the best Christian author in the world. You learn to hear God's voice through reading His Word and spending time with Him. He says, my sheep know my voice. His sheep know His voice because they spend time with the shepherd and they listen to Him on a regular basis. There's a lot of voices speaking to you is what we're talking about in our chatterbox study that we're doing on Wednesday nights. There's a lot of voices speaking to you. You need to be able to filter out the ones that are not God's and tune in to which one is God's. And the only way to do that is spend time with Him and spend time in His Word. Again, God's Word is a clarifier of our experiences. Do you hear me? God's Word is a clarifier of our experiences. Your experiences are not... Do not trump what God's Word says. God's Word trumps your experiences. And if we don't have God's Word in our heart, our experiences will lead us to living that fruity life rather than living a fruitful one. We have to have the foundation of God's Word working in us to ground our experiences and to clarify them and define what they mean. I'm amazed at how easily 
We can set aside the word of God in order to justify our experiences from time to time and our behavior. But I'm saying to you today that you can never do God's will and ignore the word of God at the same time. They work in tandem together. The word of God is God's written will for mankind. And it expresses his desires for each and every one of us. Another thing that I talked about on our Bible study on Wednesday night is that we have to get to the point that we are no longer, that we no longer have to be fed all the time, but we can learn to feed ourselves. I am tired of Christians talking about all the time how they need to be fed. They can't work because they need to be fed. We have to go around parting mustaches to put bottles in people's mouths on a regular basis. And that's just weird. Right? I mean, that's, that's just not right. Something's wrong with this picture. And it's the truth. I can't worry. I'm just not getting fed. Feed yourself. Open your Bible. Read the passages of Scripture. How do you think I stand up here and deliver to you the Word of God? I can tell you how. I don't get it written in a journal and passed on to me and I flip open to today's lesson. I don't do it that way. I open God's Word and I begin to study a passage and I let God speak to me and then God gives me a direction and I come and I share that with you. If I can do it, you can do it. Amen. You can get fed yourself, but it takes spending time with God. A personal devotion life is an absolute necessity for you, and especially in the day that we live in today. Fourth thing, and I'm hurrying. Verse 11 says you will be strengthened with all might. Why? So that you can have patience and long-suffering with joy. His will is... That when you face things in this life, you do it with His strength and through relying on Him. Well, that seems easy. Yeah, it does seem easy. The Lord wants you to rely on Him. He wants you to lean on Him. He doesn't want you to try to be self-reliant. He wants you to trust Him and follow Him and rely on Him. That is a desire that He has that His people would lean on Him and rest in Him. To not be overburdened. To not be weighted down, but to come unto Him. All ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Anybody need some rest in here? Some of you look like you could use some rest. <laughs> I'm just saying today, I could use some rest. Strengthen with all might so that we can go through stuff in this life and not lose our joy in the process. Something bad's happened to me. I throw away my joy. Get stronger in the Lord than that. That the trials and the troubles of this life, they're not going away, folks. They're not stopping. You're never going to get to a place in your relationship with Jesus where nothing else bothers you. That is a figment of our imagination. The fact is, the closer we grow to God, a lot of times the more opposition that we find in this life. But what Jesus wants us to do is mature to a point where we're not relying on our own strength to deal with it, but we're trusting in Him. And that we're not living on based on happiness, our happenings, but we're living based on a joy that comes from Him, that He is our source of. And that no matter what this life throws at us, 
we have our trust and our joy in Him. James 1-2 talks about it like this. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect or mature and complete, lacking nothing. How do you get to that point? You rely on the Lord. Isaiah 41, 13 says, For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, Fear not, I will help you. I will help you. Jesus, a relationship with Jesus means I've got a partner in this life, a partner with all the resources that I need, and he's backing me up everywhere I go. Lastly, verse 12 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints. He's saying, It is the will of God to view the opportunity to serve in His kingdom as a blessing, something to be thankful for because He has made us qualified, He has made us able, He has equipped us to do so. It is a privilege, it is a privilege to be able to be a part of God's church and His kingdom. It is a privilege to be a part of God's church and to be a part of His kingdom. It is a privilege for you to find a place to serve in a local church. It is a privilege for you for God to look at you and say, I've qualified them to be a part of what I'm doing in this earth. It is a privilege. It is a gift. And so the next time you feel the feelings that come along with work, I get it. Sometimes we like to just come to church and not be bothered. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Right? I mean, me and April have this conversation at home. Can I just be honest with you for a few minutes? Or is this going to upset somebody's whole theological view on church and pastors? There's times we have a conversation. I would really like to just come to church and sit and not have to answer anybody's question. Not have to get anything for anybody. Not have to deal with anybody's problem. Well, we're in the wrong business if we're going to do that. Because that's never going to happen. But we can look at it as a drudgery and we can complain about it and we can get frustrated about it or we can say, thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you, God, that you have trusted us enough that you allow us to speak into somebody's life. Thank you, Lord, that you allow me. The, the, the... Do you have enough responsibility that you trust me with that you'll allow me to have the keys to the church so that I have to be the one to go open the janitor closet? But a lot of us come with a different attitude. I want to be left alone. I'm tired of people bothering me. I don't want to teach kids tonight. You may be the lifeline between those kids and eternity. The lifeline between those kids and eternity. I would say to you today, there's not a greater privilege bestowed upon a person than to serve with children. Jesus said, suffer not the little children to come unto me. He highly esteems our babies. And so I just want you to take a moment and I want you to think about your service to the kingdom. Are you given what you can give? And are you giving it with the right heart and the right mindset? Are you looking at, at it as a pain, as a struggle, as something that is drudgery to you? 
Because I believe this, that when you serve, you're not doing him a favor. He's doing you one. I say when you serve in the kingdom of God, when you greet, when you usher, when you serve in our nursery, when you work with our kids in the back, when you clean the floor, you're not doing God or his church a favor. He's doing you one by allowing you to do it. And if we looked at life like that, we wouldn't have a problem filling slots. Amen? Would you come to the keyboard this morning? I'm closing today. Colossians 1.23 is the key to doing God's will here. And this is the key to fulfilling these things. He says, if indeed you continue in the faith, you have to continue in the faith. He said, grounded and steadfast. What is grounded and steadfast means? I set my mind to something and I'm not flipping around all the time. I'm setting my mind and I'm sticking with something and I'm seeing it through. I'm not coming to this church till they make me mad and then going and finding another one. I'm going to stick somewhere and be a part of something and overcome the challenges that are along the way. You're going to find challenges everywhere you go and in everything that you do. The way you deal with those challenges is the difference maker. And that's where it talks about continuing in the faith. He says, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel. What is the hope of the gospel? Someday all of this is going to count for something really great. That someday everything that I do in this life is going to matter in eternity in a big way. God is a wonderful record keeper. And He is keeping track of my efforts, my heart, my willingness to serve, and my willingness to follow Him in this life. So continue in the faith. Stay grounded and steadfast. Don't be moved away from the hope of the gospel. This is the meaning of all that Christ has done for us on the cross is that we would be reconciled to God, that we would live lives free from sin, and that He would give us the ability to do His will. Would you stand across this place this morning? We've had great altar today, and so I'm not going to ask you to come forward this morning, but I'm just going to ask you to respond just simply right where you're at today. With every head bowed and every eye closed across this place. If you're here and you say, Pastor, this is an area that I'm struggling. I'm not necessarily living a life that's worthy to the Lord. I'm not pleasing Him by being fruitful. I'm not walking in His Word and, and being strengthened by relying on Him. I'm not doing those things that you're talking about this morning. Finding a place to serve and and, and giving my life to the kingdom of God. And I need to make a change. I need to step up. I need to let, my, let God's will dictate my steps, not my will or my desires. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at and say, Pastor, that's me. There's some areas that I definitely know that I need to be more faithful in. I need to be more committed in. Amen. There's hands all over the place. Amen. I believe probably every person in this place, my hand's raised because I can promise you there's places in my life I need to be more faithful to the Lord. So let me just pray for you today. Father, you see our hands, you see our surrender, you see our hearts and our desire to serve you, God, and I ask that today you would just speak to us, Lord, and help us to live lives that are pleasing to you. God, it is our desire to do your will. We really, truly want to. We desire to, God. 
we just let ourselves get in the way. We let our feelings get in the way. We let our own attitudes and motives get in the way, God. And we ask that today you would help us to measure our decisions, our actions, our very being against the backdrop of the cross today, Lord. And that we would be found worthy. That our lives would be lived in the context of yours. Lord, I pray your blessing upon your people today. Lord, thank you for the souls that were saved this morning. Lord, help them to get connected to this church and get connected to this body of believers, God. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing in this church and through us in this community. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you would like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We would love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street, Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river. Till I found myself.